Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 21 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, I try to make body horror films like some kind of cheap-ass Cronenberg. And uh, I'd like to be joined via Skype tonight, he is the founder of the London Horror Society, Mr Chris Niles. Chris, hello. Hey guys, how's it going? Not bad, thank you Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. Uh, You're welcome, anytime. And um, a fine, fine selection this evening as well. Taking us back to 1988, uh, Stan Winston's Pumpkinhead. Yes. So, um, tell us a bit about why you chose this one tonight. Well, it was, uh, to be honest, I mean, when I agreed to come on this, I was kind of rummaging around for ideas of sort of what to do. I mean, I have a terrible taste in films. Um, so it was, it was kind of, yeah, all the choice in the world. And um, I was abroad for a couple of weeks and... Uh, Every time I go abroad, I always log on to Netflix and various other VOD platforms just to see what extra stuff there is. And I hadn't seen Pumpkinhead in years. I mean, years and years. And it was on there. And I thought, you know, I was really bored. I couldn't figure out what else to watch. So I gave it another shot. And you know what? It is a good film. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's one of those, I don't know, when I revisit films sometimes, I always kind of get a little bit bored or, you know, they kind of lose their magic or they don't kind of stand up to the test of time. But Pumpkinhead, man, kept me gripped. I was into it. So how old were you when you first saw it then? Do you remember? Oh, man. Um, probably, I was kind of, I was out of my teenage years. So I was, you know, probably I would say early 20s, okay. I reckon. So that would have been, that would have been sort of early 2000s. So late to the party, certainly. Mm. But um, yeah. yeah, it was when I was kind of going through the, you know, the horror discovery, you know, when you're kind of, you're into it and you've still got a huge back catalogue of stuff to go through from the 70s and the 80s. And that was, yeah, that was one that was, uh, that was sort of thrown in. There's a curveball somewhere. That's kind of what I'm doing right now, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> In your mid-30s. In my mid-30s. Excuse <laughs> oh, me. Oh, sorry. Early 30s. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm kind of doing right now what it sounds like you were doing like 10 years ago or 12 years ago. Um, nice. I'm still nowhere near through, by the way, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, um, we, we, kind of, um, we kind of exploit my ignorance in various different ways for entertainment purposes on, uh, on the show. I was about 15 nice. when I saw this. Okay. Um, and it was Dan Winston's involvement that got me interested in seeing it in the right. first place more than anything else. But yeah, I'm uh, just going to get it out there now because I did say it on the minisode on Monday. I absolutely love this film. It's uh, one of my favourites. So this was a treat for me. Okay, cool. <laughs> nice. Um, right, Chris, before we get started, we do this every time. And uh, yeah, you're no exception. Now, every now and again, people will listen to these uh, p- people will listen to the show and they won't have seen the film. So uh, Andy's going to put 30 seconds on the clock and they're going to count you in. And for the benefit of anyone who's listening who hasn't seen Pumpkinhead before, we're going to need you to give your best attempt at a 30 second synopsis. Are you good to go? <laughs> um yeah this is how can i count this is the best question all right okay yeah let's go okay three two one go 
Okay, so Pumpkinhead, yeah, it's a film by special effects legend Stan Winston. Um, it takes place in a rural town um, where the hillbillies are actually for once good guys. Um, a, a guy called Ed, uh, his son gets killed um, in a bicycle, uh, motorbike accident uh, by a group of punk kids. Uh, he gets really upset and goes to see some more hillbillies who then point him in the direction of a crazy witch who tells him how to summon a crazy demon called Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead goes nuts, kills everyone. Um, and yeah, the guys in the end. Uh, oh, not bad. Oh, not bad. That was <laughs> close. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, all right, thanks. No, that, was a, yeah. that was a pretty serviceable effort, man. We've, we've seen those go much, much worse than that. Yeah, I mean, that, okay, that was good. That, I would put that in the, the upper 20 percentile, I would say. Oh, okay. There you right. go. There you go. Uh, nice. Which at this point probably means you're in the top four or five. So yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I was going to say there's 21 yeah. episodes. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So um, diving straight in, and I was thinking this as it started. Um, mm-hmm. I not so much when there's a pre-credits, but I really like it when films have proper opening titles. Right. Okay. And yeah. this does. Yeah. Very much so. This. Yeah. This because the opening titles here are long. Mm-hmm. Um and I and yeah I like that I think that like I say I think that when you get like three minutes or something and then also a long kind of uh, credit sequence I'm not so hot on that but out of the gate with something like that I tend to like that mm-hmm. and then we head straight to 1957 wow I believe yep um where we have a kind of stoic looking bearded man wearing <laughs> the gun. <laughs> Uh, who looks ridiculously like I always every time it comes on I always think that's Sid Haig it looks so much <laughs> oh, like yeah, him from yeah. various angles it really does oh yeah, I totally see that yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah. I think this this kind of sets a really ominous tone pretty, pretty much right away yep guy kind of loading mm-hmm. the gun while um, wife and child say prayers kind of uh, yeah this is the, the Harley homestead and years gone by. Yes, yes, um, And course. what we have here is young Ed, who will grow up to be Lance Henriksen, kind of getting his first glimpse of uh, a local legend, you could say. Yep, I would definitely say that. I think, and how cool is Lance Henriksen, man? I mean, the yeah, second you see him, and that, you get that fade in. It's just, yes, you're in straight away. <laughs> One little gripe I've always had with the film oh, yeah? is they do show you the creature quite early on. I kind of wish you didn't get quite as yeah. obvious a glimpse. Because when I was younger, I just used to pause it and just stare at the, the creature for ages. That's a really good point, actually, Andy, because one thing I actually kind of like about it, and I completely forgot about the bit you see at the beginning. One thing is, is obviously they do really kind of tease him out throughout the film. You know, mm-hmm. you get kind of like an arm and a back and, you know, and then finally you get kind of the reveal towards the end. So, yeah, it's right. It's a weird decision to kind of, you know, shoot the bolt before you've even kind of started, you know. Yeah, there's, there is one shot where you kind of see Pumpkinhead kind of stand in, in all his glory. Yeah, you're right. Um, I would have just left that in. I feel that like that was enough. I think the, the close-up shots of the face are a mm-hmm. step too far for me. But I'm being very nitpicky with a film that I love. But, <laughs> but it jarred me. Um, I think that this scene does a really good job of kind of pushing it into pretty dark territory pretty much right away. Oh, yeah. Like, see, when, you, when you've got the guy, uh, Clayton, mm-hmm. who kind of is kind of hammering on uh, the Harley family door. Yeah, he's hammering on the door, and Tom is kind of, like, saying that he won't let him in. But, like, which is kind of, like, it's heavy going anyway, because obviously... Clayton's looking pretty up against it. But I think the fact that you've kind of, you see him kind of, or the, I think his wife having to try and explain to young Ed why he can't let him in, kind of thing, and the kids just kind of like ask, like kind of pleading to help him and stuff like that. Yeah, and you also get a hint here that an idea of Pumpkinhead's modus operandi when the guy's kind of talking about, uh, I didn't kill that girl. It kind of plays into someone somewhere has obviously decided this guy has killed someone and deserves what's coming to him. Yeah, you can definitely get the kind of the play on revenge right there, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of seeds, it kind of seeds it a little bit. Uh, so yeah, but um, so eventually, yeah, like Clayton's out of luck. He can't get in there. He kind of flees into the woods, and uh, yeah, 
savaged his shit out of luck and he is yeah he he dies at the hands of Pumpkinhead and this is witnessed by young Ed who I guess carries this memory with him through the events of the film yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and then we kind of we jump straight to the present day as was Mm -hmm. so a 31 year chronology hop and yeah that's where we meet kind of present day Ed let's say Lance Henriksen looking kind of very spindly but kind of very still pretty badass looking I think in this wiry he looks entirely composed of taut muscle yeah he's solid absolutely and uh, yeah you meet uh, his son Billy who, uh, as you pointed out, Mitch, does have a kind of touch of the Jonathan McNicky about him. Oh, completely agree with you. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Kind of that and the Milky Bar Kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. what I kind of think of him <laughs> as. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's kind of archetypal 80s cute kid. You know, it's like as soon as you see him, it's like, he's gone. He's, he's definitely not living through this. <laughs> well, I have to jump in here. Mitch didn't know the avenue that the story took. And Mitch, uh, upon seeing Gypsy the dog, was very sure that Gypsy the dog was going to buy it. Yeah, but like I say, I mean, because I, I knew very little about this going in. I and I just kind of when you picked it, I didn't know much about it to be on the title, and I kind of kept it that way before the viewing. So yeah, I didn't expect this all to unfold over kind of the measure of one evening, and I didn't ex- and I didn't expect the storytelling of the film to be quite so insular. So I kind of assumed that the kid would be around for the long haul. And yeah, when I saw the dog, I was like, that dog's a fucking goner. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> wrong-footed my expectations from the off. We do have two recognisable faces in this scene. We have Lance Henriksen, of course. Everybody knows Lance Henriksen from Aliens and The Terminator. But we also have Mushroom the dog. Mushroom the dog was also Barney the dog in Gremlins. Oh, nice. So quite the horror pedigree. Wait. Ah, I see what I did there. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> I'm doing an incredibly slow clap that you can't even hear it so slow. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote that down with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> Just save that one for later. Yep. Um, and yeah, like you say, uh, Chris is like this kind of very stereotypically kind of uh, very stereotypical 80s cute kid and a very stereotypically like kind of wholesome father-son relationship we get here. Yeah. yeah. But very, very, very much hillbillies. Um, and I know when we did the Rawhead Rex episode, I apologised to any Irish listeners for any bad accents coming out i would like to do the same to any hillbillies that might be listening because <laughs> there, there may be occasion for me to use bad hillbilly accents yeah i don't know how i feel about you apologizing to hillbillies <laughs> Why? Yeah, people, 90% of the listener base guys come on <laughs> <laughs> masses. Let's go. Yeah, they're people too uh yeah yeah but and uh yeah this this the kind of combination of this is uh that what jonathan lipnicki prequel jonathan lipnicki um <laughs> uh, has made his dad a really creepy necklace yeah, it's a weird kind of man-shaped thing on like a leather thong. Yeah. Um, kind of looks like those plasticine figures from Night Train to Terror. Oh yeah, that yeah, we yeah. did on last week's show. Um, but the Harley's own a general store, and it's just just Ed and Billy. There doesn't seem to be a mum around. I don't think it's ever 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 mentioned. Yeah, I think it is. I think um, towards the end he goes to her grave. I think the implication that she's she died a while back. Ah, right. okay, mm-hmm. right, okay. I <laughs> I didn't clock that at all. Um, but uh, yeah, and then we kind of cut abruptly to some uh, some youths. Oh, well, youths, punk that, kids, uh, yeah, punk, punk kids, exactly. Yeah. Put that in inverted commas because some of these guys are in their mid thirties for sure. <laughs> yeah, you've got some pretty weather beaten looking late teens there. Dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking at that guy Chris with the curly hair. He is not like a teenager no by way. any stretch of the imagination. Um, <laughs> like, like, like you know, he's playing a teenager. But if this came out in 1988, that kid was born in 1943. <laughs> 
He's one of those post-war baby War boom. veteran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had, to do, he had to do something when he got back. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, no, you got him. Uh, yeah, the young ones kind of stop at the stop at the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and they jump out of the pickup and um, immediately start ripping the piss out of Billy and his glasses. I know, that's fucking horrible. Like, that poor little bastard. <laughs> They're pretty mean to him. And then, I guess, in the face of everything that happens later, it just feels very vindictive. Yeah, it feels a bit mean. Yeah, it's like pretty low hanging fruit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then um, what I've got down is just another truckload of characters arrive. That is true. Yeah, point, a um, literal truckload. Yeah, yeah. The the Wallace family. Now the Wallace family are presumably neighbours of Ed, but they look feral. Like they look like they're out of Mad Max. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, it's it's odd that they kind of turn up. I love that though. They're kind of all sat in the back of a truck, you know, and then they kind of they all are out dust. They kind of roll out dusty as anything, and then yeah, just <laughs> continue fi- with the taunting. They're filthy. <laughs> like their clothes are like made of burlap or like hessian or something like that they're fucking ridiculous one of them's uh mayan bialik from the big bang yeah 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 that's right uh in our first uh film role this like uh when all the kids jump out the back of the pickup truck it reminds me of and this i might be reaching with this reference but it reminds me of uh you know cletus the slack jawed yoko from the simpsons yeah like is it remember that one where like he reels off all the names of all his kids i was really hoping we were gonna get something like that but he doesn't say anything as ridiculous as one of the characters one of the kids who's kind of one of the main characters his name's fucking bunt yeah bunt that's not it's a never going to work out for him ever, was it? I mean, destined to be a hillbilly for his life. That's true. Yeah, he's never going to. He's never. He's never going to shake it off. He's never gonna, like, like he could like he could go on to be an investment banker and still. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? I would absolutely not trust my money to a guy whose first name was Bunt. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. You're like, I guarantee you that we have one listener called Bunt. Yes, yeah, somebody somewhere <laughs> is going to be. Well, that's the last time I listen to those assholes. Like. <laughs> It's the modern day bought. <laughs> my, my, my son is also called Bunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so uh, yeah, and at this point, this is where we get the first kind of like explicit reference to Pumpkinhead by name because yeah. the, the kids all kind of start. Uh, they start teasing the youngest one, Jimmy Joe. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, textbook. Come on. Bunt and Jimmy Joe. <laughs> to be fair, at least Jimmy, at least Jimmy Joe can be James Joseph. Really good time. That's true. Yeah, what's that's bun, true. I mean, what's Bunt short for? Buntifer. Buntifer. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, Buntfree. Yeah. Bun, yeah yep yep give me one of those Buntfree, quite like Buntfree. um but so like i say when i was going in i knew nothing about this and a couple of a couple of the kind of teenage characters teenage air quotes start kind of roaming around on the bikes and one hits billy uh, ed's kid and i uh, i did not see this coming at all yeah and, and at this point actually um ed has had to go back to the house because he hasn't brought mr wallace's animal feed with him so he leaves <laughs> He leaves his eight-year-old son, maybe eight, maybe eight, maybe younger, eight-year-old son running the store while he goes home. And uh, yeah, Billy winds up getting scudded with a dirt bike. That brings in two of my favourite lines in the entire film. So first of all, you have, he just came out of nowhere, which nobody has ever said when they've got hit by a vehicle in a movie. And secondly, it's uh, the line of, I can't remember, I think it's Steve. Um, the guy that stays with him, the the, the punk oh, yeah. kid that stays with him, says, just keep him warm, keep him warm. It's like, dude, it's the desert. 
I said the last thing that's actually gonna happen. And I was like, and he's literally on the sand. He's literally just been hit, so he's still quite warm. Exactly. And he's lying in the blistering hot afternoon sun. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that like yeah, whatever else medical attention he needs, you don't need to throw a jacket over him. Yeah, that's it. No one really makes any effort whatsoever to check if. Billy's alive, or to perform no. any kind, of, and even I mean, we've all seen CPR on the telly. Even if we don't know how to do it, I mean, I would have a crack at it. I'd I'd give go, it a go, it's you? something like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would have a go, but they just kind of go, "Oh well, uh, and he's fucking dead." And then that the guy Joel. Um, the guy that, that, that was the guy that was driving the bike for him, right? Yeah, he was also yeah. drinking. Uh, he was drinking in his car, and he was kind of he. I think he's like a bad boy. Yeah, he's the worst guy. I mean, they do a great job in that film of painting him as just a complete prick. Oh, I mean, no, he me. is like the worst of the worst. I think, um, yeah, he's like, oh, I've been drinking. I'm gonna fry for sure. Again, a great line. I mean, the dialogue in this movie is just gold. It's but it's, um, yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, and it's just yeah, he comes across as just like the worst human being alive, and they do a really great job of doing that. Yeah, I mean he he legs it. Yeah, he smashes a little boy with a bike, and then just fucks off. He's not hanging about at all. But none of them do really, apart from Steve. They leave this one yeah. guy to deal with with Ed when he returns with his bag of feed. Yeah, that's it, which no one wants to do. No, no, no. you don't want to be the the, the, uh, yeah, the bearer of that particular news. Yeah. So actually, um, when when Ed comes back and uh, he kind of like, he's kind of tending to Billy. And he walks away, and one of the one of the punk kids, uh, do you have a Steve. name? Steve, kind of shouts after him in this kind of like slightly ratty kind of way. He's like, "Well, can I help?" And he turns, and yeah. uh, Ed turns around and fixes him with like a death stare that I've called Lance Daggers. Oh shit! Nice. Yeah, um, I've actually I've got got that written down. That stare is incredible. It's <laughs> it's, abs- it's absolutely piercing, man. Like um. But yeah, Joel uh, is obviously a little bit concerned that he's on precarious legal ground here. Um, I mean, rightly so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like running over a child um, while under the influence. But yeah, it's alluded to that kind of like he's got kind of priors as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he's been involved in a previous automobile incident, I think, um, mm-hmm. that they kind of they kind of touch on in in passing. Joel does not do much to help his situation because it's, it's at this point, right, where they kind of uh, they kind of take cover in a. Like there's like a house nearby. Yeah, they've booked right? like a cabin nearby. Yeah, and they're um, in there, and um, so Joel's kind of like already kind of a little bit edgy about the fact that regardless of whatever else has happened, he's just run over a kid while under the influence of alcohol while driving a bike. But then, um, so he then starts kind of frantically manhandling everybody that's going to try and go to the authorities, and actually whacks Chris with a log in the back. Yeah, and well, knocks him flat out. So it's like just just lob aggravated assault on the pile. All the other guys kind of arrive back at the cabin and they're like, "Did you phone the police? Did you phone the police?" And he's like, "Uh, no." And they go, "Right, okay, well, well, I'll phone them then." And he fucking Joe pulls the phone out just, the wall. Yeah, well. that's like, it. He's just like, "Nope." And then he fucking locks them in the pantry. Yeah, he's not a nice guy, man. He's a he, total... he really comes across as a, a bit of a bastard. The, the thing is, as well, I mean, like, I understand that obviously he he didn't want to be like culpable, but why that? If he he just needed to get on a bike and just drive like fuck in the other direction. Like the fact that that extends to him then cutting off everyone from doing anything to help the kid feels a little bit harsh. Like he could have just gotten out yeah. of dodge, couldn't he? But would that would that have saved them, or would the events have played out similarly just over a longer period of time? <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe. Pumpkinhead has to have a further radius to shoot through, you know. <laughs> just sitting on the bus wearing, like, uh, a long coat, a Panama hat, just a like, incognito pumpkinhead. Just one of, the, one of those pairs of glasses with a fake beard with a fake moustache. <laughs> what, the Groucho ones? Yeah. <laughs> one, please. Just, just, just sit with a newspaper with eye holes cutting it, watching him. 
but yeah, he uh, yeah he basically takes his friends hostage. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much that amount to that, isn't it? Um, and yeah, that, that at this point, I mean, like uh, some pretty heartbreaking stuff with oh Ed and God, Billy man. here. Yeah, the scene with the scene with Ed and um, when he's kind of cradling Billy's corpse in the house is fucking horrifying, man. Yeah, it's not good, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. No, like I actually like it's genuinely pretty heavy going that stuff. I think. I mean, this is all. This is his whole world. This little boy. Mm-hmm. He's got nothing left, really. And, yeah, it seems. Um, that's it. But uh, the punk the punk kids are kind of uh, mulling over their next move at this point, and uh, Ed drives to a kind of shanty town that I think has got some kind of deliverance vibes going on. Yeah, which yeah. is obviously indicated really well by the uh, walking of the pig across the shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. The camera. <laughs> yeah. I've got. It's uh, so true. It's a context pig. <laughs> context, context pig. pig. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man. But it really is like a, it's like a, it's like something you see in like shows where people go to the Amazon and they see a tribe that have never seen people before. Like it's pretty disgusting. Yeah, it's like as on the nose as like the tribe in the Green Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so but yeah, we soon realise Ed's kind of reason for going there. Uh, something's kind of something's kind of triggered in his head. And mm-hmm. kind of obviously had a wee bit of a flashback to what we've seen in the pre-credits there. And also starting the opening scene. He goes to meet the granddad of the Wallaces and has some questions. You never get a moment, though, where Ed has like a realisation. Or you never get the flashback. No, you're just going to have to assume like, he's put that together. Yeah, there wasn't. there's not even like a, a shot of a dawning kind of, hang on a minute. Um, so yeah, he chucks his, well, maybe doesn't chuck his dead son in the car. But certainly, um... <laughs> kind of does a little bit. I mean, he just wraps him up in that weird blanket and just keeps looking under there. It's like, yeah, it's still dead. <laughs> just in case, before I do pumpkin, before I summon pumpkin hell, I just want to really double check that I'm doing the right thing. Here. Yeah, it's, it's like, look, 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 this is a really serious decision. I shouldn't take it lightly, so I'm just going to have one more look. Well, he shouldn't. Yeah, take right. It, he shouldn't take it lightly. No, absolutely, he absolutely not. shouldn't. But yeah, he goes and visits the Wallaces, and he basically asks to be pointed in the direction of. An old woman with powers who lives in the mountains that he's heard about. Mm. Um, now, I don't think the initial plan is to summon Pumpkinhead. The initial plan. Do you not think? No, I think the initial plan is a kind of pet cemetery, bring the sun back to life. Right, okay, okay. But the granddad tells him, can't do that. Yeah, he's having none of it. Yeah. That, and uh, in fact, when we get to the witch, the first words out of mouth, I think, are, I can't bring your son back. Right, okay, okay. So, but like, do you? But you reckon that that's what he rather rather than this being a kind of vengeance angle, you thought that he set out to kind of like he was trying to bring the kid back. I think so. Okay, yeah. I think okay. that's how it starts out. Um, and then the more she kind of goads him and goads him, then he goes down a path of I see okay. revenge. But um, before yeah, before all that, they like so the, so when I say the granddad, I mean uh, kind of it's Bunt's granddad, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's 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 Grandpa Wallace, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so he he, yeah. T- he tells him in like no uncertain terms to kind of fuck off, and yeah, he's but, a bit more gentle. He's a bit more caring. Yeah, yeah, he's like you know, no, he's okay. He, he, like, you from, go, go on home, bury your boy. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's pretty, like yeah, it's, it's pretty it's, it's pretty final. That's the first uh, instance of the accent. Sorry, yeah, just poking its way through there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, but it's, is it is it Bun that stops him when he tries to drive away? Yeah, I think yeah, it is. It is yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's just a, a great, great thing if you're Scottish watching this when you get told that the uh, the woman who lives in the woods or in the hills is called Haggis. 
Yeah. So we're just called haggis. Yep, like the delicious... I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. like the delicious <laughs> Scottish animal. Uh, and haggis lives on Black Ridge, which uh, sounds pretty ominous to me. Yeah. Now, in a decidedly witchy cabin. Yeah, I've never seen a witchy's cabin, but I imagine they look like this. Yeah, neither had any of the producers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our cabin's covered in vines, it's in the swamp, but she seems to live quite comfortably among owls, mice and tarantulas. Um, and that is the sassiest owl as well. I, I mean, know, they, like... they linger <laughs> on that shot. With it, the, does, yeah. <laughs> it does that round head thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but like three times. It's like a lingering <laughs> 10 second shot on a fucking owl. It's, it's <laughs> so like it. It's so funny you should say that. I said those exact words when we were watching it. Sassiest, <laughs> really? sassiest owl ever were three words that came out of my mouth. <laughs> Amazing. That's hilarious. Um, I, I think that inside profile, which is, which is how when we first meet Haggis the Witch, yeah. um, uh, inside profile, a bit golemy, I think. Oh. Like has a little yeah. bit of a swipe of golem about it. Well, from, I've got a. Uh, it looks like Ted Raimi's Witch from Evil Dead 2. Oh, yeah. Um, and side profile. So this is this is pretty interesting and fairly oblique instructions that she gives him. I guess she's more or less talking in riddles to him. Yeah, um, yeah for all intents and purposes, yeah. Um, but basically he has to go and she said that it's like, it's, it's like a graveyard for people buried kin that they were... They ashamed went, of or they weren't fond of them or something. Yeah, yeah. and when he and when he find when you like basically when you when you see it you'll know. She yeah. tells him to look for something. Doesn't tell him what, but when you see it you'll know. Another pretty ominous place, uh, Razorback Hollow. What the graveyard? Of, <laughs> the graveyard? Of, the graveyard of forgotten children. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay the fuck away from Black Ridge and Razorback Hollow altogether. She doesn't really give him any instruction at all, apart from go to Razorback Hollow and kind of trust you and dig something up. You'll know when you see it. Well, I can't usually see things that are buried under the ground. But yeah, yeah. so fair play well, to him. It's, for... kind of, it's there and presented to him on this brilliant pedestal, though. When he starts digging, it's like it's just one raised point in the ground. It's like, oh, I'll start digging here. It's like that's 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 so true. It's like when you see it, you'll know. It's basically like a giant exclamation mark. The guy's like, "Oh, yeah, that'll yeah. be it." It's like it's an, an X. Yeah. Yeah, just like a big sign to dig here. It's like in Sleepy Hollow when they uh, they go, uh, "How will we know the tree of the dead?" And uh, it's on a gigantic raised platform, like uh, <laughs> like the pumpkin patch. Weirdly, the pumpkins grow on this enormous raised platform. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, he digs up what appears to be a shrunken little form, human form. Yeah, which again, I like I, when that happened. I had that fairly creepy moment when he kind of digs out of the ground because you don't. Because at this point, well, I was going to say you don't. I didn't know what you what you were getting there. Mm-hmm, sure, but yeah, takes it back and it's revived, kind of like in the same way that somebody would kind of prepare a boil in the bag kipper. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she she chucks it in the microwave. Uh, three minutes, beep, beep. Uh, off we go. What the fuck are you talking about? It's <laughs> gonna say who who eats boiling the bag kippers? That sounds kind of sounds ominous. fucking disgusting. And also, no, because she takes blood out of the dead kid and out of Ed well, and I'll... mixes it together. Like, Look, I'm the... sorry, I'm not eating any kippers that That's you present a... me. <laughs> the fuck do you cook your kippers like? I'm not dunking them in blood. Moving swiftly on. The pumpkin head reveal here is fucking amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. Like, um, kind of three, four stages, you see. Yeah, this is the first instance of amazing, amazing special effects. Obviously, Stan Winston is the director here. His effects work is not to be sniffed at. But what we have here is the work of Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr., who most famously did the alien? Yeah, and it's it shines through in the uh, in the reveal, right? I mean, yeah, Pumpkinhead. So. I think all the way through, he's got so many hints of xenomorph in him. You know, yeah. it's 
it's obvious even from like the dripping mouth at some points you know i just want to quickly talk about the pumpkin head creature overall uh-huh. I think the fact that you see so much of it later on and it's Tom Woodruff Jr. in a suit and you get to see Pumpkinhead moving, you get to see him prowling around, you get to see him walking around rather than it being a big kind of clunky animatronic, which it has at points. But those moments where you see it prowling around are amazing. Yeah, so good. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I think like um like this, and it's not even just the fact that you can see him prowling around and stuff, it's just like all of that's done so kind of naturally and so fluidly. Mm-hmm. And it's generally, I think, like, some of the, especially towards the end, some of the scenes where he's in the kind of hunt and chase kind of stuff is just phenomenal. I think it's really, really cool. So, Pumpkinhead is born now. He's yeah. off, uh, off on his, I guess, his mission to kind of wreak vengeance on uh, on these kids on behalf of Ed. Ed now buries his son. Now, does he not have to report this? <laughs> Can he? Can <laughs> That's you, a good point. I never thought of that. Can you just go and bury? Go bury your boy. <laughs> like can you just go bury your son, like whatever you like. You think the guy should have been more specific with his instructions? Go do the necessary paperwork, then go bury. Yeah. Your boy. <laughs> 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 Call the coroner five times a day. <laughs> like, but um, uh, this is pretty interesting though, because like right after the kids buried, we uh we lose our first punk kid. Yeah, we do. Um, we in we're fine ba- style. Yeah, we're back at the cabin, and now not only is Joel holding all the friends hostage, he's fucking holding them hostage at gunpoint. Yeah, that's yeah. escalated. That's escalated pretty significantly. We're obviously you know right from the off. You're not supposed to like him. But yeah. I think that when you when it comes back at this point, I think that you've seen kind of a proper escalation in the kind of like villain status of the Joel character here because he's gone from being mm-hmm. this kind of like slightly coercive like, like kind of pretty violent pretty coercive kind of guy to like yeah like he's kind of had a he's kind of full on losing it here because uh, he's sitting kind of with a shotgun yeah and he's still yeah, it's, like, it's still, nasty man yeah it really is but what we get is um, Steve and Maggie have been allowed out to wander in the woods which I think is very lenient of Joel to let people then wander off where they could just run away although yeah, well, let's, I mean Steve and Maggie aren't doing anything are they I mean they're going nowhere they're, they're kind of the drippiest characters in oh my god in many a film it's like oh god come on guys and then that's, a, there, that's, but... that's actually a really good shout you could, yeah you could probably if you were Joel you could probably count on them to not try and escape yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's revealed that Maggie's like hyper religious. God, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's always one. Yeah, and then there is always one. From out of nowhere comes Pumpkinhead. The Pumpkinhead's got a penchant for uh, grabbing people by the face, mm-hmm. um, which so, I for one applaud. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, Steve's grabbed by the face at this point. Maggie thinks Pumpkinhead's the devil naturally, and uh, runs off back to the cabin. And then turns kind of basically catatonic, right? Which is incredibly irritating, but yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Steve kind of gets battered off a whole load of trees. Oh, yeah, and, he gets ragdolled. And uh, is then kind of like uh, deposited on the front porch like a cat bringing home a dead mouse. Very much so. <laughs> to which again maggie responds poorly she at this point she's calling on christ for help arguably a bit of a fool's errand at this juncture yeah one of the other characters says in case god doesn't help us let's get the fuck out of here Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and then maggie is grabbed by the face and hauled up over the top of the house uh quite a cool sequence yeah yeah but while this is going on, we get kind of like one of the really cool twists, one of the really kind of more interesting elements that you have in here, which is that kind of when Steve is being attacked, it cuts to Ed, mm-hmm. kind of miles away from this, evidently feeling the pain of the victim. 
I think it's really cool. Yeah, I I think that's really awesome. And it, like you say, it's, it's such a kind of a neat twist to kind of start signifying because up to then, I don't think you actually had any um, indication that he was in any way sort of linked with Pumpkinhead. No. Um, so yeah, it's it's just awesome. You know, and it, it's so obvious and it's so played out so well that it's actually happening. And yeah, yeah it kind of, it leads into that part of the story up really nicely i think it's kind of illustrating perfectly the kind of toxic nature of revenge totally, i guess because yeah. he's he's warned and he's told plenty of times don't go down this road wallace tells him even haggis tells him yeah in a kind of roundabout way like you better be sure if you're going to do this yeah i mean i think that this is like it's a really good kind of show don't tell moment because it's done it's so quick Mm-hmm. But the minute that it happens, you understand the kind of spin on it instantly. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck, and it's uh, yeah. I think it's it's it it kind of it relays the kind of rules of it just absolutely instantly, and also just in a way that's genuinely like pretty unsettling. Oh yeah, I mean he's bleeding from the nose, he's stumbling around. Um, he makes his way back to Haggis, and, and one of the best scenes of the film here. I, think. I love this is my favorite scene in the film where he begs, yeah, mine too. He begs <laughs> Haggis to call Pumpkinhead off, but Haggis basically says to him, "Did you think it would be easy?" <laughs> She's like, uh, you need to ride this out. You knew what you were getting yourself in for. Now you need to see it through to the end. You were told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And again, there's some just gold dialogue coming out of Henriksen. You know, God damn you. You already, he already has, son. Or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gold as well. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just the best. That's, that's a fucking great scene. Yeah, agreed. I, I'd be inclined to agree. At this point, we've got a cracking, cracking pumpkinhead moment here when we cut back to the house, uh, the kind of cabin. I love this. And um, Pumpkinhead kind of—he's obviously he's got Maggie, Maggie, right? Yeah, and, and he's he's been carving her face up with his nails. Um, yeah, and um, but yeah, he just kind of he plants her face into the window and just kind of like drags drop, it around, drags her face around yeah. from the, and it's like genuinely, it's so it's so unsettling, yeah, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> he's really kind of taunting them. He, Pumpkinhead's got a bit of a sense of humour, actually, in a weird way, and he's kind of smirking the whole time. I don't, I don't know if that's just the puppet head, but he, he has this kind of weird smirk. Um, that, yeah, that makes. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, that makes everything. And a strut. He's... he's got a strut too to go with it. You know, he's 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 got it. You know, he's a sassy guy. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, like a lot. Like I actually think that. See, now we're talking about it. Actually, it's like yeah, he's he's resourceful. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but. Yeah, he's kind of got this kind of swagger, this charisma, but also a real proper showmanship about the way he's dispensing with these people. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a, the boy's a natural performer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's clearly seen superior as well, the way he sort of dispatches that girl through the window. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty horrific horrific way to go it's and a, then yeah man you see when, when when her head comes through the glass you see this real cascade of blood just pouring out her neck down the white sink yeah it's, it's, uh, it's really really fucking cool brutal yeah no it's it's awesome at this point um uh <laughs> we spoke about this at the time but uh joel kind of comes racing out of the cabin at this point and he shouts like i'm the way i'm like i'm the one you want which is a massive yeah. reversal, of course. I was just saying because he was yeah. uh, way more willing to accept culpability when he's faced with like a demonic rampage, well, otherworldly entity, than he would be with just being charged with murder. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is just fucking. This is the fucking ridiculous bit for me. The character swing. It's like Joel, man. If you're a prick, you know, continue to be the prick. Don't try and be the hero when this huge fucking monster turns up. It's like you said, Mitch. It's like, well, hang on a minute. You weren't willing to get arrested by the police, but you're willing to die <laughs> to save your friends that you've locked in this fucking cabin, that you've taken the fucking phone line out so no one can contact anyone, <laughs> and you've brought the fucking gun to the party, so you're a fucking prick, man. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, it's, exactly. it, it feels like a weird attempt almost at redemption. 
yeah on the filmmaker's part and on the character's part and it just uh, to me it just doesn't land it's like fuck off kill him kill him it's also fair to say that that horse is fucking bolted by this point anyway because Pumpkinhead is in full on rampage mode at this point oh fuck yeah yeah there's absolutely no chance he's getting away with this Uh, oh god no no definitely not this another another like really kind of a showy kind of grandstandy death as well after this oh Kim Kim, thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, Pumpkinhead makes his way into the house. Um, uh, you get to see that creature in its fullest. Um, again, with Woodruff Jr. in the suit creeping around. And it drags Kim out and up an extremely high tree very quickly. I'm assuming some kind of scamper. <laughs> Scamper's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to add like Dexterous to my list of positives yeah. for Pumpkinhead as a monster. As well as being charismatic and uh, and resourceful, and resourceful, <laughs> it's, it's, it's starting to sound like fucking scout badges, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know if I would say he had a lot of charisma. I don't know. I think that I think there's a lot of natural charisma to the way he carries himself. <laughs> okay, I mean he's certainly confident. Yeah, no, yeah. like if it was a job interview, you'd hire him, right? I don't know what job I would be hiring for, where Pumpkinhead would be the best possible candidate. <laughs> Some, yeah. Something menial, Some form of tree surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something with an emphasis on presentation. I would have liked to see Pumpkinhead scale the tree. Oh, that would have been cool. Um, and maybe there was a kind of limitation to the the costumes Budgets. movement, but uh, yeah, I would have liked to have seen the actual process of getting her up that tree. But what we do see is her being unceremoniously thrown out with the tree <laughs> and onto a boulder. Yeah, a giant polystyrene boulder, which kills her instantly. Yeah. Yeah, another just just another one down. And they're they're dropping like flies at this point. Actually, it's a really accelerated, uh, really accelerated. Yeah, they stop burning through them. Yeah, man, definitely. I feel like the the female characters, and I think this is maybe something at the time, but I get confused by the female characters in this. They all seem a bit kind of faceless. Yeah, a bit interchangeable. But the guys are three very distinct looking guys. But the the women are kind of. It was like, oh, these three actresses will do. Do you know what I mean? Other than yeah. not being hired for any specific skills, they're, they're, just, they're just three women that kind of look the same, which I think's a shame. I would have liked to have been able to pick them apart a little bit. Yeah, and you, you don't actually really learn anything, apart from Maggie and her religious you know, yeah. connotations. You don't really learn anything about any of them. I mean, yeah, when Kim dies, you know that she's Joel's girlfriend from the scene in the car, first of all. But everyone, yeah, you're right. Every single one of them is pretty nondescript, which is, yeah, I agree, a bit of a shame, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but at this point, yeah, we've lost quite a few, and I think we've whittled it down to your kind of like your survivors for the kind of main event. Uh, you've got Chris, Joel, and Tracy. Yeah, sure. And uh, they make their way up back to the uh, Wallace farm, obviously running pretty fucking fast mm-hmm. uh, at this point. And uh, they find, much like we saw at the very first scene, that the Wallaces aren't exactly going to let them into the house. Quite the opposite. Right. Grandpa Wallace, he knows exactly how this is going to shake out. He warned Ed. So they're on complete and utter lockdown. Although yeah, one of it. them seems to be wandering around with his dog. Yeah, true. Um, he doesn't seem overly fussed. <laughs> yeah, I guess It's a very good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah just kind of impassively. Not quite the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. You folks is marked. Yeah, y'all's marked. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, which is kind of a, just a little bit of a cliff note interlude to kind of just, if, if for anyone that hadn't figured out already, anyone who was kind of halfway culpable in the death and anyone that gets in his way, they're fucked. Yeah, realistically, if uh, Ed had seen it, I suppose he could have focused this rage more directly onto Joel. But what he's done is he's just went, fuck it, kill them all. That's actually, that's a good point. Yeah, like, but the reason, I guess, that they're all suffering is because when Ed came back, kind of Billy was already dead. 
mm-hmm. and the incident had already happened, so he didn't have one human face to pin this on. He could have pinned it on Steve, poor Steve, the the only <laughs> one who fucking stayed behind with the kid. Exactly, yeah. And Steve was the first to go as well. I mean, what is how is that fair? He was the one guy that kind of stood around. He's like, nah, take him out first, stupid Steve. <laughs> Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just it was, it was just for that snarky tone. When well, maybe was, that like, makes sense. Yeah. Maybe that makes sense then that Steve's the first one to go. Because he he was the one who Ed more directly related it to. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's reasonable speculation. I would say that's yep. fair. Uh, so we kind of get your first kind of uh, Ed shoots Pumpkinhead, uh, which multiple times. Yeah, which um, Joel kind of gets prematurely smug about because I think he thinks that the battle was won. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He is dead. Um, and but also, of course, like it's kind of we should we shouldn't gloss past the fact that Ed shooting Pumpkinhead multiple times is kind of a fairly noble act. Joel kicks Pumpkinhead in the head. Yes, <laughs> believing in dead. This is getting very Doctor Zeus all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, finds that uh, our, our, our titular um, man in a suit is not in fact dead and impales him on a on a rifle. I really like this. Because when Pumpkinhead knocks down Joel and picks up the gun, I was like, "This is pretty cool, but it's gonna it's gonna be kind of silly if he shoots him." <laughs> mm. So see the fact that he just takes the gun and just skewers him with it, and just kind yeah. of lifts him up in the air. I was like, "That's fucking awesome!" Because like, like I say, for a minute I was like, "Oh no, don't do that!" And then when he just kind of like had this implement, didn't know what to do with it, so just stabbed him with it. I was like, "That's cool." <laughs> <laughs> it would have been ridiculous if he'd shot him. <laughs> But uh, Ed, poor Ed. Poor Ed. He's attacked by the Wallace's dog. Which uh, bites him on the arm. Which is like, it's the last thing he needs. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah, he's had a day. Um, <laughs> it bites him on the arm and he notices that whatever he feels is then projected onto Pumpkinhead and Pumpkinhead, Pumpkinhead feels the same. Also at this point we actually get a glimpse into the Wallace's house and they're, like, they're fucking filthy, all of them. One of them's dressed like like a Tudor peasant, like Baldrick. <laughs> <laughs> It's really fucking weird. Like, what what year do these people live in? <laughs> like, one of the little kids nearly has a stroke when they see a camera. Earlier <laughs> on, you're like, like, what the fuck year is this? We're living in Maybe squalor. they were really pushing the boundary of like present day. I mean, that subtitle was very nondescript, wasn't yeah. it? It was like present day. That's yeah, so got... true. That's the, yeah, yeah. Present day, fourteen thirty-five. They're living in squalor like medieval serfs. <laughs> Let's get to them. Get them away. As like as he does all the way through the film. By the way, at this point, uh, Bunt turns up and Bunt. it's just <laughs> and is super helpful as usual. Yeah, but, but well. Bunt does it does nothing but be a font of useful information to everybody in this film. Bunt is yeah. the MVP of this film. You think? Yes, absolutely. Well, He's like he, he definitely it serves them so like is of most use to most characters. I would hazard that Bunt is an idiot because <laughs> it's at this point oh, okay. where he is telling his sister slash wife <laughs> maybe the same thing that he wants to head out and see if the creature's real. Just stay the fuck indoors. She's trying yeah. to stop him, but off he goes, climbing out windows. Yeah, he off, off he goes. And then, I don't know, when the, that conversation happens outside, it's just, yeah, it's a weird decision to make. And I don't know how you can kind of justify it. Everything everything speaks and everyone, yeah, the way everyone's reacting is like, you you, you wouldn't run, but, you know, bunt being bunt, 
classic bunt. Classic um, bunt. Yeah. And off he goes, and then away he goes. And then you get some even more interesting context goats while he's outside as well, just to again reinforce that uh, yeah. they are hillbillies. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. goats <laughs> with a bell. <laughs> Why not? Context goats. Superb. Um, so, yeah, but uh, Bon, I think reasonably noble attempt here at um, pulling off a rescue mission. Uh, takes the remaining kind of the surviving punk uh, punk kids to a burnt out church. Kind of thinks that they might be safe because he figures that it's like holy ground. This turns out to be a monumental raft of shite. The minute that, the, 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 like, the minute yeah, I did think that the minute that, that absolutely through the floor. Yeah, the yeah. minute the minute that that theory is tested <laughs> even remotely, it just collapses like a flat pack wardrobe. Like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Pumpkinhead just turns up, stands in the doorway for a minute. You're like, oh, and then he just powers straight in. Everyone's like, oh well, so yeah, much for yeah. that. He laughs in the face of Christ. He smashes a cross. Like he does yeah. not give a fuck about Jesus, uh, and it's not going to stop him at all. I love that. Just before that, I think you referred to him here as Cletus Cliff Notes because he kind of <laughs> he kind of gives a little bit of backstory, uh, a little bit of kind of info on uh, the kind of machinations of Pumpkinhead. Yeah, the mythology. Um, it's at this point where. Uh, He's like, oh, I think it's here now. And <laughs> it's heralded with massive wind, lightning, like smoke. <laughs> what, appear, what appears to be dry ice. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, how can you tell? It's superb. There's um, a kind of panning shot, actually a tracking shot of Pumpkinhead walking through the church, which I absolutely love. Um, that's, where he, that's where he smashes up the cross, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And almost like it was a really weird, It's like, I mean, it must have been a shit to film, but it was like the way he kind of takes it out with his foot is like almost... Reminiscent of like I don't know playing some late nineties kind of third third person shooter or something like Doom where you kind of kick and stuff and it doesn't really work and then eventually it smashes and that's kind of what he kind of has to work his way through to actually get there. <laughs> that's class. It's there at this point as well where Pumpkinhead yanks an entire chain off a bike. Well, not a bum- oh, that's the best bit. Oh, that's amazing. See, this is what I'm talking about about Pumpkinhead having a sense of humor, right? Because yeah, Bunt leads them back to where they've parked their cars. But the cars are like all they're upside like, they're like upside down and completely destroyed. And one of the dirt bikes is just kind of sitting there, and um, Chris jumps on it with a kind of intent to presumably zoom away, and, or maybe just zoom away, <laughs> zoom away, and just fucking leave her, leave Tracy behind. But he gets on and he kind of powers up the bike, and uh, it's not going anywhere. And how he doesn't see Pumpkinhead approaching him, I'll never know because he's like right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> but Pumpkinhead stood there with his big funny grin and he's just swinging the bike chain uh, back yeah. and forward in front of him uh, see come it's on so man good. this is funny it's so good um, yeah it's gold it's like like you say he's got a sense of humour charisma and you know apparently a knowledge of you know bikes <laughs> <laughs> that's so true it's such a precise way it's such a pre- it is isn't it it's such like, a precise way with the bikes <laughs> yeah I'm not going to smash it up I'm going to take off your chain I know you can't power up without this <laughs> but then he he picks up the bike with Chris on it and launches it through the woods <laughs> with Chris on it. It yeah. crashes to the, the landing ground. is the best. Yeah. It crashes to the ground with Chris on it, which I think would fucking that would obliterate his legs. Oh, I, I yeah, the fuck yeah, that would tear his hips apart. I think this this might be on reflection. In fact, it hands down is my my favorite actual pumpkin head moment in the film. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, I think it kind of has combination to be. with the chain. Yeah, I, yeah, the, the, this entire set piece. Yeah, the chain followed yeah. by the kind of like uh, shot putting the bike into the trees. Like, yeah, <laughs> so so funny. It's brilliant. Um, Tracy so kind of tries to appeal to Ed um, at this point, but 
I feel like it's kind of fallen on deaf ears now. <laughs> but Pumpkinhead now has <laughs> this is a, this might be one of my favourite moments of, of Pumpkinhead action. He kind of he's dragging Chris through the woods. Um, and while Chris isn't dead, Pumpkinhead does use his face as a battering ram to open a door. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> mash! And Chris still isn't dead. He's like, ah! Just kind of crawling around. Uh, oh, that's fucking awesome. And then you get yeah. Pumpkinhead's Michael Myers so moment here, which is superb. Bunt's hiding in the closet, and um, Pumpkinhead comes into the closet, has a little look around. Bunt's kind of cowering down in the corner. Pumpkinhead goes to leave, and then immediately comes right back at him. Awesome. So good. Yeah, they do. They ramp it up so much towards the end. I mean, even when the kind of you get the killing spree, it just doesn't really end from <laughs> there in terms of the speed of how things process. And it's, yeah, it's so good. I mean, this is there's such good set pieces and, yeah, love it so much. Yeah, there really isn't any downtime at all in the film. I was going to say, I feel like, like, 20 minutes ago, we were just like, oh, yeah, and it really shifts gears at this point. It really doesn't slow down at all after no. that, does it? it really absolutely just, like, not. Maybe just, like, maybe, like, the last, like, 40, 45 minutes of the film, the entire second half of the film, maybe, just goes absolutely hell for leather. Breathless and breakneck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but Ed's kind of like, at this point, like he kind of he skewers himself, doesn't he, kind of a little bit. Yeah, he decides he's going to take Pumpkinhead down, even though he knows that this is going to have an impact on himself. Yes. He is selflessly now trying to, I guess, make amends for what he has done. Yeah, but he, yeah, but I think he's uh, I think he's kind of got it in his head that there's something he kind of needs to make right, and also just kind of put a stop to this madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> enough! Like, that's enough! <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he's got a fl- he's got a flamethrower. I think his plan is originally to burn Pumpkinhead, but uh, in a foolish manoeuvre, accidentally walks into a pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, that's again just the best. Is like how how have you done that? It's like <laughs> I've stumbled my way through. And, oh, there's a pitchfork. Yeah, of course there is. <laughs> he's going to need like, a tetanus. It's just like a wee bit of to your bob, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's a... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It would have been so good if he'd stood in the rake. Anyway. (laughs) He's stuck on that pitchfork for a while. Uh, As Um, you would be, I suppose. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I've got enough to say. (laughs) I've got no rebuttal to that. That is fair. But aye. But Tracy then takes it upon herself to try and burn Pumpkinhead, which isn't going well. So Ed decides, (laughs) fuck it, I'll shoot myself in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Or the head. Sorry for our non-Scottish listeners. I am a gutsy move. Yeah, gutsy move. Shoots himself in the head. Not fatally. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, he he, he kind of fight clubs it, doesn't he? He shoots himself in the head in a way that won't kill him. Does he? Do you think he has sufficient knowledge of the anatomy to to pull off a manoeuvre like that? I could be reaching. I think you're reaching. This is a guy that forgets to bring animal feed to his customers, remember. So I think it would be a a jump to suggest he'd know (laughs) he was shooting himself in the head in the right way to not kill him. That's true. He literally had one job earlier on and didn't do it. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I may be overselling the tactical acumen of this decision. Can I also mention, this is a man who puts his faith in magic before in the law. And, like... And has a frankly revolting disregard for paperwork and due process. Yeah, absolutely. This man puts his... So, to think that he's got any kind of idea about the placement of things in the brain... Okay, he's, he's no neurologist. Uh, so, to shoot himself in the head seems to me like a very clear-cut suicide attempt. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's reasonable. And then Mitch back down. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I've got nothing. Similarly, I've got nothing. So it falls to Tracy then to to put Ed out of his misery, and I guess also Pumpkinhead. Um, and uh, she shoots Ed multiple times, and in doing so. 
takes care of the titular beast and saves Chris and Bunt. Um, see, right before that happens, don't want to gloss over. Oh fuck! Um, well, again, just a really amazing effect thing. Uh, where um, obviously you by this point the kind of connection between Ed and Pumpkinhead is pretty well established, but um, and, and deepening with yeah it, like with every kill. But when Ed. Pumpkinhead tries to take uh, starts to take on Ed's features and vice versa, that is so cool. I think into, mm-hmm. like so as, as an effects thing. Yeah, the eyes scene in particular where you get the kind of the red vein channeling into his eyes is just that's the one of the things I remembered most um, about it when I started to rewatch it. I was like, oh, there's that scene with the eyes where is yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And right before, actually, bef- right before Tracy kills him, he's got a real wide grimace, like, kind of mm-hmm. like Pumpkinhead smile himself, and Pumpkinhead has Lance Henriksen's fucking face. I, <laughs> in a kind of sequence where there's quite a lot of stuff that kind of makes me laugh, mm-hmm. I don't think that it ever upsets the tone of it. I think that, like, I don't I don't think it ever starts to feel like there's too much light stuff in there kind of thing. I think oh, no. When it gets, because, like, like I say, I mean, like, the thing with the bike chain, and the thing with basically like throwing the bike into the trees, that is inherently and naturally funny. But none of that stuff takes away from the fact that when you see, like you say, Ed with the big kind of pumpkin head visage before he gets killed, it's super creepy. I actually don't think that that's in any way, in any way detracts. Not at all. At all from the story. I think it, it just serves to kind of deepen the story. It never comes across as ridiculous or ludicrous looking to me. No, it's just entertaining. Yeah. Love um, it. So Pumpkinhead's felled. Because Tracy, like say, she shoots Ed multiple times. Pumpkinhead, awesome even in death, bursts into flames. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of my favourite moments as well. It's just completely off the cuff as well. I think it was in the <laughs> middle of like a conversation. It's just, just <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so out, like, it's so out of nowhere, isn't it? And yeah. we're all we're all pleased to see that Bunt has survived. Yes! Fucking Bunt made it through. Right. Bunt made it to the end. Hashtag Team Bunt. Now, I'd imagine Bunt could potentially be heralded as a, as a kind of hero upon his return to his uh, village. Despite being told not to get involved, he's now seen the beast and survived. Yeah. Helped slay the beast as well. Yeah, you know? fuck yeah, he was he was there at the end. Yeah, instrumental. Um, mm-hmm. it very quickly and abruptly cuts to... I would have liked a little bit more preamble on this. Yeah, definitely. Um, because it's extremely <laughs> abrupt. I would have liked to yeah. have seen some kind of moving through the woods action here. But what we get is very abrupt cut to Haggis burying a corpse back in the pumpkin patch. The corpse, it transpires, belongs to Ed. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And that is the end of Pumpkinhead. And uh, it's, it's worth mentioning that uh, the reason that we know that it's Ed is because it's wearing the, the corpse, oh, is wearing the, the necklace, the, the necklace that um, has sort of given him in the first scene, which I think is it's a, it's a kind of like, it's a, it's a nice kind of sentimental note to end the film on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so concludes Pumpkinhead. Yeah, but... Not really, because because they did make three sequels. Chris, where are you on the sequels? Have you seen them? Do you like them? I haven't. I haven't. And you know, this is the best thing. It's like opened up a whole new channel of, like, oh my God, I've got the sequels to watch that I haven't even started. There's even, I was reading, there's even, an, I think it was made in maybe 1989, so I don't know how I'm going to do it. There's a Pumpkinhead video game Whoa. that was oh, released on yeah, something, I which that. I now have to dig out somehow. Um, but yeah, so there's there's Pumpkin 2. I can't remember what it's, uh, the, the tagline is. As, uh, Pumpkinhead 2 Blood Wings. That's right. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. the next one is like even worse. It's like Pumpkinhead Three: The Bloodening or something <laughs> no. even more Pumpkinhead. <laughs> generic. Is Pumpkinhead Three: Ashes to Ashes, which oh, okay. again yeah. stars Lance Henriksen and also Doug Bradley. Nice. Um, oh, nice. Stellar. Pumpkinhead Four: Blood Feud. 
That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> the blooded <laughs> The pumpkin Um yeah, those are all kind of uh kind of fairly bog standard sequels. I titles. actually think Blood Wings is quite fun. Okay. But yeah, that's as deep as you should be going. Oh really? Does it kind of does the it, mythology. Does it fall away after that? Uh but yeah. Blood Wings is pretty fun. I think you can get it. I think it's out on I think one oh one put it out on D V D. Oh cool, okay. Um so it's available in the UK on D V D. Sweet. Because I, I I don't own Pumpkinhead either on DVD or Blu-ray. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to buy it for myself. I just honestly, it was so good watching it again. It's just yeah. you know, it's so it's so cool how you can kind of completely forget about something and rewatch it and realize how much you actually like it. Oh, it's fucking, <laughs> it, is a, it is actually a great great film. Uh, yeah, yeah I, it is, and it kind of stands peerless almost to me in this kind of time. Yeah, of... I think it gets I think it gets lost as well. I think it gets oh, lumped in sure. with you know really dumb you know things like. Um, from around the summer, like Ghoulies and Troll and um, stuff like that. It kind of gets lumped in with those kind of zany creature feature things from like the late 80s. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it just stands so, so far above those things. And I think, yeah, it just and, this is why I was so keen to do it on this one. You know, it deserves its place as a as a classic, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think that this, is, this isn't so much defending something that is kind of that is kind of bad as much as kind of it's kind of a little, maybe a little bit underseen. Yeah, I would, yeah, I think I would so. definitely I think so. say it's underseen. Um, I mean... But it's got an absolute litany of talent behind it. Like, I mean, you look at the special effects team on it, and like I say, mm-hmm. you've got Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. Cinematography is by Bojan Bazelli, who did things like uh, Box and Helena, California with David Duchovny and Brad Pitt. Amazing. A Cure for Wellness. Oh yeah, okay. Um, wow. So like, which I mean, that film had like a whole load of problems, but none of them had to do with how it looked. It looked amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, it did. And not to mention the fact that it's directed by arguably one of the best special effects guys who's ever lived. Stan I mean, Winston. Stan Winston, the Terminator. Yeah. And uh, you can Jurassic definitely Park. tell that. I mean, the special effects are just so good all the way through it. Yeah. You know, you can, you can definitely tell that the director is a special effects guy at heart. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's the attention's paid. And it, and it, it it's more it's better for it, you know. And I did say that to Mitch. I said uh, that being directed by a special effects artist, that way, you're, I mean, he, he's going to shoot this thing in, in a way that maximizes it. And it never really looks goofy it never no you never see a zip you never see a seam yeah i think the creature i think the creature is amazing uh chris this was a great show um i think that when well like i say i mean i was seeing it for the first time we watched it to, me and andy watched it together just like just we, it finished just minutes before we came up to do this uh i think that it became pretty apparent when the when the film ended that you weren't really gonna have to do too much defending here but i was really looking forward to talking <laughs> about like to, because there's so because there's so much stuff to talk about yeah and, and yeah I, I think so and I think that like it's it, and I think that it's a good selection in that I think that people need to see it. People should like people should see yeah. it. People that haven't seen it should seek it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's the defending for me. You know, it's the fact that you know people kind of laugh it off as some trash and they don't watch it on that on that basis. And it's you know it's not. It's worth it. It's worth watching. And it's you know stands up. Yeah, yeah I mean I think it, technically it's really well made. I actually think it's got some cool stuff to say. But uh, yeah, I think Pumpkinhead's fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's nice to see. It's nice to see um, hillbillies actually play a protagonist role for once in the yeah. films of the seventies and the eighties. You know, where they're not the kind of they're not hunting the city boys. You know, it's the other way around almost. You know, the city boys are the ones that are doing the wrong. So yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, Huge the, credit for that. The only other time that I can think of off the top of my head that a kind of hillbillyish characters were kind of portrayed that way would be uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, definitely. It's the only Good other shout. one I can think yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, thumbs up all round on that one, Chris. Good shout. <laughs> yeah. Um, go and seek it out. In the UK, you can also get it on 
DVD, I think Lionsgate put it out. Chris, before we wrap up, uh, obviously you're a founder of the London Horror Society. Is there anything going on just now that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, there's a, a couple of things coming up that we're uh, we're pretty excited about. So um, we're doing our, this will be the third year we've done it. So there's a, an upcoming horror festival in, in London called the Unrestricted View Horror Festival, oh, which has been oh, yeah. growing year on year. It's such an awesome festival. Um, it's down at the, a, a great bar called the Hen and Chickens, which is a, a pretty famous theatre pub sort of place um, down in uh, in Highbury and um, we're doing we present a night of films there we present a night of shorts and a and a feature um, as part of a, a sort of a, a takeover thing and um, really excited about it this year we've got some we're currently in the process of picking a number of shorts that we've seen from UK independent producers and directors um, right. mm -hmm. there's been some amazing stuff released this year that we saw at Fright Fest and other festivals around um, and we're currently working on um, picking a feature that went down very well at Fright Fest, which we're hoping to get. Um, can't say which one it is yet, but we're kind of really keen to to get that one on the board. Sweet. Um, awesome. And then aside from that, we've got um, I produce and star in a uh, a really kitsch '80s horror quiz show uh, called What's the Bloody Question, um, <laughs> where uh, I pitch myself off as like a kind of a it's almost like a um, never mind the Buzzcocks sort of thing for horror movies, where uh, my team faces off against uh, the London Horror Festival curation team, which we're um, doing at the London Horror Festival in October as well. So tickets will be on sale for that soon. So yeah, I've got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, and uh, so when, when is um, Unrestricted View? Uh, Unrestricted View starts um, at the end of October. Our night, our takeover night is actually on Halloween on the 31st. Oh, nice. Oh, so uh, we've got the gold spot. <laughs> well, I like to think we've got the gold spot. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be releasing details of that. So yeah, check out our Facebook and things like that for details on, on that. And there'll be uh, discounts for members as well that we hope so yeah it will be uh some some serious fun going on cool and um uh, any particular kind of social media channels anything like that you want to you want to uh, yes yeah, so we've um, we've got our twitter and instagram with the same handles it's just at london horror sock soc and uh, on facebook we're the london horror society so uh, yeah come check us out awesome excellent and uh, thank you chris for screening my films in the past <laughs> you're welcome man. <laughs> you're <out> very well <laughs> thank you cheers guys chris, thanks a lot. chris thank you so i love that film well, there you go. I'm glad. And like you say, underseen more than bad. Yeah. It's uh, certainly, certainly not a bad film. Um, and But I think that, like, the critical reception for this from the people that have seen it is good. But I think that it's a, that it's a perfectly valid reason to bring something on. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, as if you feel that it's extremely underseen, and it sounds like this is. Um, but yeah, a big thank you to Mr. Chris Niles of the London Horror Society for uh, taking the time to come on, talk yes, Pumpkinhead with us. Thank you very much, Chris. And I guess that's just about all we've got time for for another one. Yeah. But um, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We will, of course, be back on Monday for um, another mini-sode where hopefully I'll have seen some stuff that I actually like so I can be a little bit more cheerful than last week. <laughs> yeah, you grumpy fuck. Yeah. 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 That, uh, Did not care for it. No, you made me blue. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I'm I, going to deliberately... I might just go back for comfort viewing of things that I love just so I can come on and be the sunshine kid oh, again. Oh, God. You're not going to watch The Tension again, are you? Oh, probably, but I can't yeah. talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 22. <laughs> detention too <laughs> in further defense of detention oh, God. Uh, but yeah we'll be back You're then watching it on your own yeah, yeah I know I know but we'll be back then in the meantime please do get in touch um, with any comments feedback and all that stuff Facebook and Instagram we're Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC or email strongvioluntscenes at gmail.com. Yep, absolutely. And you know you can listen to us in a whole bunch of places, but why not try Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or iTunes. And remember, please, if you listen on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, 
all the good stuff because it really does help. Really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, thanks to everyone for making this our busiest month so far. Yeah, we've had an amazing month. Yep. Um, so to everyone who's listened since the start, thank you very much. And to everyone who's just joined us, thank you very much. We've got heaps more coming. Yeah. Um. So yeah, big thank you to everyone that's kind of been around from the beginning. Welcome aboard to all the newbies as well. And a big thank you to everybody that's kind of listened, liked, shared and all that stuff. Yeah, keep doing it. Keep liking, keep sharing, keep getting the word out there. But yeah, over and above anything else, I'll keep listening yeah please, please. yeah because yeah. we can enjoy this now <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah this is uh, this is amazing yeah. um and yeah we've got some amazing stuff to announce over the next little while and speaking of that like i said join us monday we'll have all the usual stuff uh feedback uh mitch's pitches mitch's pitches uh these yeah. are going down a fucking treat by the way uh yes but so we'll see what a follow-up a visit to aunt death uh with this coming monday but yeah on top of that we've got a little chat about everything we've been seeing got the shot waves 100 um and of course podcast recommendation all that stuff mini slowed's getting pretty stuffed these days yeah, yeah pretty hefty yeah so join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds good night good night You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.